welcome to the Number 8 Wire podcast. I'm Johanna Van Els, business coach and consultant. In this series, I'll be talking to people in business who have had professional and personal challenges, how they held it together through those tough times, and what advice they have to share that may help you. At the end of the podcast, I'll be highlighting the valuable takeaways, so be sure to listen out for those. Thanks everyone for um, tuning into another episode of my little podcast. I really appreciate all of you who have been following me and listening along. I've had a bit of a break, as you know, um, I've had to take care of some changes that were going on in my personal life. Um, but, you know, change is one of the constants in our lives and we just get on with stuff. 2020 has been one of those years. Um so because it's been a real different year, I just thought I'd do something a little bit different. Leading up to the election, which we've got coming up in a few weeks' time, I can't help but get into a little edge of politics. I met with Reuben Davidson, who is the Labour candidate for Selwyn, and Selwyn has been tight in the grip of National for a few years now, but with the changing dynamics in Rolleston and Lincoln and because of the growth after the earthquakes, I thought it was important to hear Labour's take on the future of Selwyn. Reuben Davidson has had over 20 successful years as a creative and TV producer before joining his community board and then throwing himself full force into central politics. So here's your opportunity to hear a little bit about his motivation um, and his reasoning for getting into politics. That was my first question to him. I began with, why did you join your local community board and why did you get into politics? I've always been politically active, for want of a better term. That sounds pretty boring, being politically active. But but it, at high school, I got involved. Like I got elected onto the onto the board of trustees as, the student, uh, as, a, as student. a student. Oh, good for you! So, um, which so high school was that, by the way? The Rudolph Steiner School in Christchurch. Okay, yeah, because we talk about high schools. We talk about schools in Christchurch. We do a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So that was that was always that that. Um, was always something I kind of had in me that that desire to get involved in the it kind of looking at things from that perspective, from the perspective of the board, and and being a voice for students through to board level to to talk with the you know the governors effectively of the school about um, what it was the students and and myself and the other students wanted mm-hmm. for the school because mm-hmm. there were more of us than there were teachers. Um, theoretically, I guess there would be more parents than there were students. But anyway, I thought it was important to be part of that process, and uh-huh. I, I enjoyed that. Um, and then, for co- with community board and with getting involved in community board, I guess I'd always done things with the Labour Party. So I'd volunteered, and I'd done deliveries, I'd done door knocking, I'd done. Yeah. Now, why did you choose the Labour, the Labour Party? Party? What was it? You know, because uh, for why you, did I the Labour Party? why the Labour Party? I guess. I guess the the Labour Party for me, in its essence, is about people, and that's the thing that I think. That's why we do. That's probably why I do anything I do. So mm-hmm. that's it's it's for people that I make TV shows. It's for people that I get involved in the political process. It's not. It's not to be able to sit in a in a, a you know a, a boardroom with a nice view of the harbour and 
um, you know, fresh plate of club sandwiches. <laughs> we don't even get club sandwiches anymore. <laughs> but um, but, but it, it's, it's because you're there to serve people and because you, I, I think I can see and have always seen that that people need to be served and people need to be advocated for and, and um, resource needs to be made available for people. Was there someone in the, like, do you have a memory of, like, a favourite Labour leader or, you know, do you have someone that you can go, oh, yeah, I really liked that one. Like, who's been your faves? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that probably in my consciousness, the people, and this is, I should clarify this by saying I'm not going to start listing the favourites to start with, but I remember, like, my first kind of memory of, really understanding who the Prime Minister was or and who was in power as a government in New Zealand and what they were doing would have been Bolger and Ben Shipley. So that kind of gave me a flavour of, I guess to put it bluntly, when things are not working very well. How old were you then? Like? I would have been in I would have been in high school and then I think when Helen Clark won with Labour and started to reform and change things, that was probably the point at which I got more interested and involved. But I also think, and this is one of the things that I probably regret, I never really understood that you could join the Labour Party and get more actively involved than I did. So my involvement often was having, usually polite, sometimes not, arguments with people who, who didn't quite see the same way as me. What I, Yeah, what I didn't realise was that I could, and what I would really suggest to people a lot of the time now when people want to get politically you know or are politically active I say join a party doesn't have to be the Labour Party great if it is but join a party and volunteer and meet like-minded people and actually channel that energy that you want to put into Mm -hmm. those those passions um really constructively because um we really need it you know like like political parties do um, run on the amazing work and commitment and effort and energy that volunteers bring. And there's such a um, strength in knowing that this person who is, you know, door knocking for five or six hours or getting on the phone and checking in on people during a COVID lockdown, they're not doing it for money. They're doing it because they want to know that people are okay or that they want, the, you know, to make things better or to... Um, serve and and make sure people are you know people are looked after Mm. so that's there's there's such a strength in in that conviction that people have so for me that's probably a regret was that I didn't become a member sooner why is it a regret because you know sometimes you know everything happens at the right time yeah yeah there's a little bit of that it does uh I don't know I guess I just look back and think crikey I'm 42 and I didn't join the party till 2000 and 11 when there was a leadership change um and the leadership roadshow came into town and to get into the meeting you had to be a party member oh okay so i signed up at the door and and um i think my membership has lapsed once since then someone did point out to me but um but it's i've i've um i have since renewed it and um, i can assure you i'm a financial member of the party but um i could have made a more constructive contribution to the party soon what goes on in a community board meeting like what's the purpose of them yeah so so the the, a, a very good question community board meetings are the idea of a community board is is essentially that decisions that affect the community should be made as close to the community as possible 
So oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, so, which is a great concept, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so if we're going to be making decisions about Banks Peninsula, um, that shouldn't necessarily be made at a council level through in the city, especially when you're talking about Akaroa or O'Kane's Bay or Birdlings Flat or Littleton. So it actually should be made, those decisions, arguably, are best made by people who live or are from those communities and who bring uh, super, super local perspective to yeah. the decision-making table. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and they don't, we don't, and I don't imagine any community board, we don't make decisions without good advice and without input. So we have people come along and, and, and make presentations, members of, any member of the community can come along and present to community board on an issue that's important to them or on an area where they think, um, where they see this is going to happen because the community board has made a decision and they can challenge that. So it's a really direct engagement with the community. And that's from anything like literally from this patch of the footpath has been dug up and has not been resealed and it's not mm. ideal because it's mm. not a sealed footpath. So we get, we get those sorts of people get in touch about that. Yeah, I'm rolling my eyes at that one. Leaky, yeah. leaky water mains. Um, there's a lot of those. Littleton is horizontal infrastructure is difficult in the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um And um, but it's and, and and we talk a lot about public toilets and we talk a lot about the fact that we talk a lot about public toilets because we think that it would just be really good to have good, clean, functional public toilets that we didn't need to talk about. But if we want to have that, we're going to need to talk about them a whole lot. So mm-hmm. we do talk about public toilets. We talk about freedom camping because there's a lot of that that happens on the peninsula and that's mm-hmm. directly related to public toilets. Um, and and But then at the same time, we talk about... Um, isolation in some of our rural communities and we talk about connectivity for some of our rural communities. Are you talking about internet connectivity? Yeah. 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 But also social connectivity. And I should stop saying we talk about it because actually what we do is we do, we we work on resolving these issues. So we Mm -hmm. don't just sit around the table and talk about connectivity. We actually go, how are we going to serve this small community? What, what, What does this community here need? They, they need to have um, better Wi-Fi or, or better fibre. They need to be better served so that they, COVID or not, can be better connected. This this area here, are con- these people are concerned about the level of tourism in in their town. Um, they're not anti-tourism. They just they just are observing that there is a large amount of it and that it's not sustainable environmentally. Also, back to toilets again. But we look at things like um, in Akaroa, the the ocean out the sewage system which currently goes into the harbour so yeah. the water the sewage is processed and then it's discharged into the harbour, yeah which you know it's 2020 so yeah we, we can't we need to be um and, and we are and the council have been working really positively and constructively towards um coming up with a a, a much better much more environmentally and much more culturally appropriate way to manage those sorts of issues for that community so um, that's some of the things that we yeah. that we deal with at community yeah. board level. So how do you get how do you get representation across from the whole of the community and not just people who are available to turn up to meetings? Yeah, sure. So I guess what we do is we continually remind people that the door is open and that they can come any time. So a lot of the um, 
sense of of Littleton and the needs of Littleton that I have doesn't come from what I personally would want necessarily, but it comes from the conversations I have when I'm in the supermarket or in the harbour co-op or at Civil and Naval or at the market on a Saturday mm-hmm. or um, or walking down the street or going for a walk, you know, in, a, in the evening or or um, at someone someone's home for dinner. So that's that's the strength of a community board is that we all are really a different group. You know, we're all quite different on the community board. We're, it's comprised of a real broad mix of, of members. And so our experience within the community and our conversations we have within the community inform the decisions we make at the community board table, but also bring a really diverse, different and broad range of opinion mm-hmm. of our own, but more importantly, of the communities in which we live. Okay, bigger picture. Salwyn yes. district. Yeah. You know, I think you're very brave and courageous to take on a stronghold of national because it's been Amy Adams for the last, I don't know, what, nine years? I think three terms, yeah. You're the Labour candidate for Salwyn. How's that going? Well, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, good. <laughs> good. I'm glad you're smiling. So, yeah, and I'm not... Um, brave and courageous are two really nice words. So thank you for those. I've, I've had... I've been called much worse. Um, but I think the thing that, for me, that I'm, um, that I'm enjoying about it, I'm, I'm enjoying meeting so many people in Salwyn who are so supportive of this government and the way this government is leading our country through pretty challenging and unexpected yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think for me that's exciting to mm-hmm. to be to have those conversations and for people to say um, that they're not that they haven't ever been or that they, that they wouldn't normally be Labour voters, but that. What's them, what's swinging it for them? I, I think it 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 is just the recognition of how good a job Jacinda particularly, but Grant, mm. the whole team have mm. done at leading the country through a challenge that doesn't come with any kind of here's how we did it last time handbook. Mm-hmm. It really it really relies on instinct, and it really comes back to um, what are the priorities for these people who are leading us? And the priorities throughout have been people. Mm. So it's always been people first through that decision-making process and through how we, how we responded and, and how we um, are managing the recovery and managing the rebuild for New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It's always been from a perspective of um, we look after the people first because if we look after, peop- after our people, that looks after our economy and that looks after ultimately that looks after New Zealand Um, so I think people recognise that they also and I think this is a huge strength of um, Jacinda and Ashley through this process Ashley Bloomfield has been the level of honesty and the level of communication so and and so people feel that, that they're in the tent they're in the loop and I think that's been the huge um, strength through this crisis has been that people know every day I will get an update and 
I will know what's going on and I will know what I need to do and I will know what it means and I feel a real sense of safety and reassurance and um, inclusion in this process. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely critical because based on that, they then make decisions themselves Yeah. for their personal life, for their business. They can do their forecasting. They can... You know, just look ahead and go, okay, well, I've got another week of this, so therefore I can plan for it. Yeah. Selwyn District. I'm yes. going to come back to that. Selwyn District, a big district, uh, lots of different types of people live here. Yeah. Well, I think probably a good starting point is to, is to recognise that today, literally today, is 10 years to the day since Greendale, the fault line mm-hmm. that runs right through the middle of mm-hmm. Selwyn, mm-hmm. went off and really went off you know, yeah like yeah highest, yeah highest recorded seismic activity in, in new zealand you know highest on record i remember so, it well reuben i lost uh, yeah. my home in that earthquake yeah i, I didn't lose my home but i i do remember it incredibly well too <laughs> i think i don't think any of us will ever forget it but, and so if we look 10 years down the track at what has happened um and and there's some irony in the fact that actually a huge number of people have moved much closer to that fault line than they used to be. Um, and that's that's as a result of what came after with the much larger aftershock or the much more devastating aftershock that, that we suffered in February, which was, you know, horrible um, and, and wiped out huge amounts of um, housing and infrastructure and, and red-zoned big pockets of... Um, Christchurch city mm-hmm. and so there was a big migration in in our in our urban population mm-hmm. and that was the result you know the result was that that Rolleston which had been called the town of the future for so long since the 50s I think yeah after Norman Kirk gave it that label it, it really um, boomed and and it grew um, massively Mm, two supermarkets. Yeah, that surprised me. Yeah, 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 and they're both really good. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there's two supermarkets in, in Rolleston, but there's also almost twenty thousand people. And wow, um, I've been told that thirty four percent of them are under seventeen. So wow. it's it's a really rapidly growing part of um, not just of Canterbury but of New Zealand. Like Selwyn is the fastest growing electorate. So Rolleston has been. A big focus for me in in my campaigning, but also in the work I've done to really get on the ground and find out what matters to the people in this mm-hmm. electorate. Because that's I'm putting myself up to serve Salwyn, so yep. I want to know in Rolleston what 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 are the big issues here and what do people want. Um, and and then similarly in Lincoln, there's been a huge growth in the population of Lincoln and, yeah. and, and big developments there and and again a lot of young families and also a lot of people who have retired into that into Lincoln um, and both Lincoln and Rolleston have you know there's some amazing um, environments out there and it's a, it's a beautiful place to live out on, on the plains but it's also not just limited to Rolleston and Lincoln so Someone said, oh, there's also a whole lot of small towns. And I said, yeah, but they're actually not small towns. They're big communities because that's when you get into a place like Leeston or Springston or Hororata or Glen Tunnel, you realise 
these there's, there's people here who have been here for generations. Mm, yeah. And these communities and these networks within these communities are so strong. Um, and and then there's also lots of um, new subdivisions and new expansion in, in areas even like Leeston, when you you know you start to see that the shapes of the yeah. road are these. It's not the grid grid line up anymore. It's these curved. You go okay. This is a new part. Yeah. Of, a new part, and the houses are new. You know, you can mm -hmm. see this is this is new growth. So for me, um, that's that's the picture that I've got through spending time in Selwyn, meeting people, talking to people, door knocking, and during the lockdown, phoning into that area to really have conversations with people about how they were doing and whether they needed any support. So the impression I've got is not of of an enormous geographic electorate that is comprised of only farmers, but of a somewhat smaller geographic electorate to what Salmon used to be because some of these centres have grown so quickly mm. and some of these small towns are not really small towns anymore. They're actually pretty big mm. pubs. What are they saying that's important to them at the moment? If you're out there door knocking, what are they saying? Yeah, it's different in different places. It's very specific issues. Um, in Rolleston, probably the number one issue that I've come across is um, schools. And, and that's broader than Rolleston. But I've, I've spoken to people who, when they moved to Rolleston, had to take a list of students they promised would come back to school next year to be able to keep the school going because it was such a small community that the school would be threatened yeah. with closing every, the end of every year. Yeah. Um, and that's now become four schools with a fifth opening at primary level, a, a, a full secondary school with another needed by 2025. So, um, I mean, you've got four school zones in Rolleston and you've got um, parents in, in a lot of the um, communities around Rolleston yeah. looking at that they've got their kids, they've got kids who are coming up to high school age who will be in the Rolleston school zone and do they want to bring their kids through to the Rolleston school or do they want to get into Christchurch schools and how does that work and what's this new high school going to look like and who's going to, is it going to be, I mean, there's lots of different options for how that new high school happens. Mm, that's really um, interesting because so, Christchurch, as we mentioned, is so tied to yes, schools. Yeah, it's very much a school city. So, yeah. And, and, and schools are incredibly important, you know, like when you look at the role that a school plays in... And rugby. The, yeah, rugby. Rugby, <laughs> I would suggest rugby is slightly less important than school. Well, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but I think that... Um, but I think that if I look at the role that the school, the school I spent 14 years of my life, which I understand is a long time to spend at school, but that had a huge impact on me in, in making me who I am and how I am. So I think um, the role that a school plays in, in a kid's life, but also in a community's life is really important. And, um, and I think seeing... I've been to a f couple of meetings in Rolleston and it's very, very important to the people there um, how how those schools grow and develop and how those schools serve their children and, and our community in Rolleston. Is there budget for that new school? Yes. What else are people saying out there? So, and some of the other issues, probably the ones that have been quite prominent would be around Templeton and Prebleton with... Um, quarries and toxic waste processing plants mm -hmm. happening really close 
um, I've said back doorstep, not backyard, because it's literally that close to, to where people are living. Okay, that's some interesting conversations. Yeah. What about, um, what about our agricultural industry? What's on their, what's front of mind for them? What are they talking about saying yeah, to you? Yeah, so I guess there's, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of issues. Interest in and concern about water. Um, I don't um, profess to be an expert in the area at all, but what I am doing is doing a lot of listening and a lot of reading because um, there's some really strong and really um, differing opinions on water and water quality and water use and water rights. So I'm um, learning as much as I possibly can about that because I think it's it's a massive issue and it's something we need to start getting pretty bold with. There's also a really exciting um, thing happening across Selwyn which is a shift to um, small-scale farming and production. We had a dinner this week as a fundraiser which we called a Taste of Selwyn so we sourced all of the produce from different providers within the Selwyn mm -hmm. district and then we brought it into a restaurant in the city and um, gave people who live in the city a real blast and a real taste of some of the amazing food that, that is produced in Selwyn. It was an amazing five course meal and people loved it. But the really exciting part to be able to share with people too was the story of who is behind that produce and what their vision is. People were able, mm -hmm. were able to eat it and, and get a real taste of what that future could look mm -hmm. like for that industry. So, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so really, really progressive and really interesting business models and business practice and and um, sustainable farming practice happening in Salem. One of the things that Labour did, which has been incredibly well received by the sector, um, was that they established a um, primary industry council. So a group of people who work across the sector to come together and and. Um, look at everything from exporting to current practice to um, cultural values mm -hmm. and, and how that can inform what the primary industry sector does going forward. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they've come up with is an, is an initiative called Te Taiao, which is two words, T-E and then T-A-I-A-O. <clears throat> and that is a, um, an initiative that looks at... Um, kind of the whole cycle so of, of farming but also looks at um, rather than big scale farming looks at high yield and high quality product mm -hmm. so feedback from within the sector has been really really positive yeah from people who see it's there's only pluses so it's it's a really f new way of looking at what they can do in the primary industry sector but the feedback that I've heard a, a number of different people have said to me is this has been very very well received and I think I mean I think the the other thing is that um that that the primary industry primary industry sector and the farming work that happens across Salwyn is a really important part of what drives our local and international economy as well so mm -hmm. um so I I I, I when people say, oh, you, you're going to be anti-farming, I'm absolutely not anti-farming at all. Because, I'm not hearing that. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not you know, hearing I that from you. I recognise the, the um, huge 
contribution that it makes to the economy. And, you know, I buy milk and I eat cheese and I love steak and I, you know, had mm-hmm. delicious pork two nights in a row this week. So, so I'm, 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 um, I'm active, I'm an active contributor to that sector. I, I really see the, the value that it has. Um, but I also think that across everything that we do and not just in farming across all industry that we have in in New Zealand we do have a responsibility to constantly make sure that um that we're doing the best we can for uh, our environment and our people yeah and that's um doesn't have to be seen as and I'm never intended as a threat it's not a threat at all it's an opportunity for us to um to do things really well and to do things in a way that means we can keep doing them for, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. you know for, for into the future yeah generations yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and at the generations. same time as we're doing them we can still drink the water that we get out of the <laughs> ground in, in the small yes, towns and communities around <laughs> that area so it's it's um yeah what's the awareness of the impact of covid on the Salwan district sure. and what's your intention yeah so when d- during the covid lockdown I made literally hundreds of calls into Salmon to check on older residents in, in some of the smaller communities who pot- potentially could be quite isolated and quite scared. Yeah. Um, or, or just quite isolated. And the thing that I constantly found was that because um, these people lived in smaller rural communities and because they had, in lots of cases, lived in those communities for a long time, mm-hmm. they were very prepared for um, this kind of um, event. And, and not because they had anticipated that there would be a global pandemic, but because... I would hope not. No, but, but just because um, when you live in a, in a place that doesn't necessarily have a 24-hour supermarket or a, you know, a block of seven different takeaways or Uber Eats servicing you, you need to be able to be a little bit more self-sufficient. And a lot of people have a little bit more land and they grow a little bit of their own food or they have chickens or someone down the road does. So mm-hmm. there was a real sense of um, preparedness within that within that community. Then another um, thing was that all of the people... And farming wasn't is and was during COVID an essential service. So the okay. farming sector kept working because you have to. You can't yeah. say, I'm not going to milk the cows today because we're at level four lockdown. You, yeah. you need to milk the cows. So yeah. and, and you need to do the work on your farm. Farms don't stop. So at level four, three, two, or one, mm. or level none. So so those the people involved in that in, in, in that farming sector in Selwyn were kept really busy right through. And then the other the other interesting thing with Selwyn is that tourism is not a huge part of Selwyn's um, economy, so I think it's around twenty percent. So mm-hmm. it's much easier for an area like Selwyn to accommodate a drop as drastic in tourism. Much more easy in somewhere like Selwyn than it would be in somewhere like Queenstown or Rotorua, or even potentially in somewhere like Hutunui, which probably has um, more more tourism activity than, mm, yeah. than Selwyn does. Yeah. So there wasn't a, a massive um, shock to the system within Salwyn around the economic impacts of tourism drying up overnight like it did when the borders closed. And then the other thing was that um, there were there were job losses in Salwyn like there were everywhere. They were a little lower on, on average in Salwyn than they were across New Zealand. Um, and, and 
there also wasn't an, an wasn't a decrease. There was, an, in fact, an increase in consents granted through council. So, uh, uh, construction consents, building yeah, consents within Salem District through, okay. the, through the Salem District Council. So that also shows that the building and the construction and the growth of both the commercial sector, but also the residential sector and the and the, and the suburbs and areas around all of these rapidly growing parts of Salwyn will continue at the same pace, if not a heightened pace to walk. It was it was a challenge for everybody, but I think in Salwyn, I think Sal, there's something about Salwyn people and about the way that the communities and, and the lifestyle in Salwyn is that meant that it was incredibly well equipped to cope with a challenge as big as COVID. Hmm. Okay, big question. What qualifies you? to be the representative for Selwyn. Yeah. yeah. I did warn you I was going to ask you, you this one. You did. So it better be good. Yeah, crikey. And then now you've publicly or said on record that you warned me about it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess there's, there's, there's a number of things that do. One is that uh, I know that I can represent people really well and so that I can, I can listen, hear what people are asking for, and then I can take that request and and, um, and that need and I can represent and advocate for it. And that's what, ultimately, what an MP in an electorate needs to be able to do. So they need to yeah. be everywhere. They need to, people need to think that they've got a clone because they need to be so available and so present. And that's um, a challenge in an area that's as geographically large. Yeah, it is very large. Yeah. But it's also a challenge that I find um, I'm really to take with both hands I'm excited at the prospect of being um at, you know traversing that space and being involved and engaged with those communities mm-hmm. and I'm also um really aware that there are also issues within communities like Rolleston and Lincoln that are more like the urban issues that that you would you would um previously have not expected to happen in Salwyn and to have been city issues or suburb issues. <clears throat> so I'm aware that there's a lot of catch-up that needs to happen for those communities because I, I would see that those have been overlooked in in Salwyn electorate up until now by the representatives and, and the MPs mm-hmm. in, in that electorate. And I know that I would be very good at working with those communities to make sure that they are also represented really well. So I'm going to come back to something that you said right at the beginning. When you're pitching to a network, yeah, and it's you know break day, you're going to make it or you're going to break it. Yeah. So you use words like researched deeply, rehearsed. Yeah. Um, when you know in that moment when you get real about the audience and the message and how you want it to land with that audience, you pivot, adjust, accommodate your pitch so that you know that it lands with impact and effectiveness. It's a huge transferable skill to be able to say, I listen, I research, I rehearse, I represent impactfully. And there's probably a little disclaimer that I would put in there too. Okay, I like disclaimers. Because there's a risk... When, when you when you start talking about or, or when you cross over what could sound like marketing and um, pitching 
with what is politics. And, and there's a risk. Really? Yeah. And there's a, I think there's a real risk that people go, oh, okay, so this guy's got 20 years experience going into um, network boardrooms and selling them things they didn't know they want. And, and now you're going to bring all of those skills across into um, politics and you're going to either sell us a bunch of stuff we don't want or you're just going to sell us you and then you'll be the elected member and, oh. and, and that could be the... No, the, hold on, no, hold on. I'm so, you, you're talking to someone, they're telling you, well, I need this. Yeah, yeah. Then you've got to go into that yeah. arena... And fight for it. And fight so, for it. So, and so what I guess for me, what it is, 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 is the... That would be the criticism if I look at it and go, so what would be the, if, if I was looking at this externally, what my criticism would be, I see what that guy's doing. He's just going to be a comms guy and he's going to go in there and, 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 and run comms on. on look, you won't survive elected. two minutes no. if that's what you're going to do. I'd be running yeah. out of town. But the thing I think that, the thing that I do think is, is the direct parallel and the direct crossover is understanding your audience and making sure you're serving them. And that's what the challenge is for me in wanting to represent Salmon is I have to understand who that community is and, and what their needs are. And that's the skill I've got from producing television and from constantly staying engaged with the audience to make sure that what we're doing, that we understand where they are and that what we're doing is serving them. So your vision for the future? Wow, that's a little question. Yeah, as you as, oh, it's just a straight up... Me as a Labour candidate for someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the vision for, the, I guess the vision for the future for me is a big, it, it, it's like the New Zealand vision, right? So, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's how we recover because I think we've got the response nailed and touch what I'm not speaking too soon, but we've had a re resurgence of this virus and we've, we've responded incredibly well and and we haven't had to escalate to the levels that we had to previously to stamp it out so mm -hmm. so i but i think it is about how we recover and i think it's about how we rebuild and i think the really important thing that i have in my future vision of of new zealand is that we don't lose sight of all of the positives and there have been a lot that came out of the, the i think we have in new zealand so much opportunity and I think we we have um, only five million people currently. There's probably mm. going to be another million want to come in now, but but we but there are only five million of us. We've got incredible resource, a beautiful country. We've got we we yeah that we just have so much opportunity to to um, come back better and to do things really well in in a way that is very sustainable and very responsible for the future and we just have to work really hard to make sure we do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ruben, thanks for your time and all the best for the upcoming election. It's Yeah, it's going to be, well, it, it's going to be really interesting and, I, yeah, I really hope you get, get cut through with Salwyn. So mm. all the best with that. Thanks again for listening and letting me just indulge myself into a little bit of politics um that's what i think that's important with the upcoming election sorry i can't interview everyone i'm still waiting to hear back but um i've got some i promise i won't do any more actually how about that i won't do any more i've got a couple of interviews lined up with some really 
awesome innovators that I am so inspired by and I can't wait to connect with and can't wait to be able to introduce them to you. They're doing some really groundbreaking stuff. So uh, keep an ear out for those and take care of yourself. Thanks for joining us this week at Number 8 Wire. I am Johanna Van Os, business coach and consultant. Please subscribe, it's free. That way you'll never miss an episode and together we'll be able to help more people. You can also contact me through the Facebook page, Number 8 Wire Podcasts. See ya.